You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Samuel Chadwick was a uh, Wesleyan Methodist minister, and he lived about a hundred years ago. He was born in 1860. And I was reading someone else recently, and they quoted Chadwick, who said the Christian religion is hopeless without the work of the Holy Spirit. The Christian religion is hopeless without the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you hear those words, do you, do you have a reaction to that? Like, like, do you agree? Do you disagree? I got to think about that. I'm not for sure what I believe about that. The Christian religion is hopeless without the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to I take you to uh, the Gospel of John this morning, chapter 16. I'm going to start reading the verse 5, okay? John 16, beginning with verse 5, we'll drop down a few verses, then we'll go over to the book of Acts together. But I want to read to you several excerpts of Scripture talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? So let's start... I'm going to put the words on the screen for you. John chapter 16, beginning with verse 5. Now, these are the words of Jesus. Here's what he says. Um, Now, I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, the reason you're not asking me where I'm going is because I've said these things. You're so filled with grief. Now, if you put yourself in the shoes of the disciples, maybe you can understand, or maybe I should say, in the sandals of the disciples, maybe you can understand what they're feeling. A lot of stuff going on in their mind when Jesus says, hey, I'm going away. I'm I'm going to be leaving. And Jesus goes on to say, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. How in the world could it be for the good of the disciples that Jesus goes away? And here's the response. Unless I go away, the counselor meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, what's he going to do? He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Then if you drop down to verse 12, here's, here, here are the next words. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He is going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. Now, if you turn about three pages over to the book of Acts, chapter 1, we'll start reading with verse 4. And here's what chapter 1 of Acts, verse 4 says. On one occasion, while He was eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Okay, what do you want us to wait for? I want you to wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then if we drop down a few verses, when the day, or rather, I'm sorry, we're over in chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, what Jesus promised occurred. They were all together and they were in one place. Now listen to what happened. Suddenly, there was a sound like a blowing of a violent wind and it came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So I think you're getting this, but you hear the wind the sound of the wind, and then you see fire in the room, and it's like the fire is resting on individuals, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, just like God had promised. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So this is the Word of God concerning God's Holy Spirit. Um, If you gave me just a little bit more light in the house, not a ton more, but just a little bit more, it would help me a little bit. If you could do that, I appreciate it. I don't know if you feel sometimes what I feel. um, But sometimes when I hear certain people talk about the Holy Spirit, I'm not for sure that I agree everything they're saying with everything they're saying. Or, or maybe I go to church that's not like my church, a different kind of church. And, and what I hear being said about the Holy Spirit and, and what I see happening in that place in the name of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I walk away saying, I, I'm not for sure. I think what happens is I find myself going to the Bible and I'm digging through scripture saying, what is happening there and what they're doing and what they're talking about? Is that scriptural? Is that in the Bible? Maybe there's experiences like this for you. I was watching television not long ago and I'm flipping by some religious stations and I stop on the station and there's this evangelist and he's up and he's preaching and and doing some other stuff and 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 there's like a, a stadium is in. It's like thousands of people and behind him is this choir that rises, you know, and um, and there's hundreds and hundreds of people in the choir. And kind of in the middle of all of this excitement, he just kind of turns around, he looks at the choir, and then he just kind of laughs. He goes, ha ha, like that. And then he turns back around, and he just, he blows on the choir. And when he blew on them, the whole choir fell down. They all just started falling all over the place. They just fell. The whole, they fell in one direction. And then the camera's on the choir, and they're all getting up, and they're straightening themselves, you know, because they've all fallen on the ground. And, and I watch that, and I, and I understand that that is all in the name of the Holy Spirit. I find myself digging through my Bible again going, I don't want to judge anybody, but what, what exactly is that? And so I think what happens with many of us when we hear certain people talk, or we go to churches, or we see things happen, and, and it's all done in the name of the Holy Spirit, we just kind of say, I don't know. And we tend to kind of just back up a little bit. And we say, you know what? When you go there, sometimes it gets weird with certain people. And so the easier thing is just don't go there. And so when it comes to language about the Holy Spirit and talk, sometimes I think we just kind of back up and we just kind of say, you know, I don't even know about some of that. I I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm just going to kind of back up on that. 
And, and here's my question to you this morning. When we back up, what do we forfeit? When we back away from searching our scriptures for what God says about the power of the Holy Spirit, what do we lose? What do we give up? Let me, let, let me, let me talk to you a little bit this morning about, about this, okay? Um, when, when I was um, a young boy growing up, um, I related to my world and people knew me as the son of Kendall and Cecil Harvey. So it's actually my dad is Kendall and my mom is Cecil. That's kind of swapped, right, for most names, but that's how it is. I was in a hospital the other day up here, Mercy, and there was a lady. I think she must have been checking in for surgery. And the receptionist behind the counter says to her, now let me get this straight. You're trying to tell me that your first name is Cecil. And the lady says, yes, I know it's very confusing, but that's my first name. And I kind of patted her on the shoulder and I said, hey, I know what you're dealing with. My mom's first name is Cecil too. So she's gotten this all of her life, you know. So, but that, that's how I've been known. I, I'm, I was the son of Kendall and Cecil. That's how people knew me. That's how I related to my world. In, in fact, I was at home um, three or four years ago and, and my mom was in a grocery store with me. We were together picking up a few things. I ran to the grocery store with my mom. And some lady in the grocery store aisle sees my mom and she says to my mom, Cecil, is that Ricky? Meaning, you know, I'd grown up and all that. And you know what my mom says to this lady? She goes, yep, that's my baby boy. And we get in the car and I say to my mom, mom, I'm 47 years old. Can you, can I quit being your baby boy at some point? She goes, no, you'll always be my baby boy. And so when I was young, that's how I related to this, to, to my world. I was However, when I met Annette, things changed. And to all of her friends and family and all of her co-workers, when we got married, I became Annette's husband. And so then I related to the world as her. But when, when we had kids, man, that was out the window because now I'm just Brittany and Morgan's dad. To her coaches, teachers, friends, I'm just Brittany and Morgan's father. That's how I relate to the world. But you understand, I'm only one person. But God has related to the world in three persons. So when the Hebrew writer talks about it in chapter 1, verse 1, here's what he says. In the past, God spoke to us through the prophets and in various ways. Well, I get the prophets because I got a Bible and I can read here what Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi and all of them say. God spoke to us through his prophets. But what does he mean by various ways? Uh, like a burning bush when he spoke to Moses. That's a various way. Um, like when he sent the angel to speak to Mary and Joseph, I would call that various, wouldn't you? And so God spoke in the past through the prophets and in various ways. But then the Hebrew writer says, in these last days, how has he spoken to us? Through his son. And then you get to John 16. And Jesus says, I know that God has been speaking through me, but I'm leaving. And the disciples have to be feeling every emotion you can imagine. No, you can't leave. I mean, we are learning from you, but we're not ready. We're growing, but we're not, we're not there yet. And I think you understand, Jesus. They're not coming to see us. They're coming to see you. You are the star of this show. I don't think we're going to hold it together if you leave. And both sides, we don't want you to leave. We love you. We love being in your presence. We need you. Don't leave us. And Jesus says, no, it's okay. 
Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then Jesus, listen to me now, gets very descriptive about what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And here's what he says the Holy Spirit is going to do. He is going to speak to you. And he is going to guide you into all truth. In the past, God spoke to us through the prophets and in various ways. Like burning bushes and angels. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And Jesus says, now I'm going away, but it's okay because the Holy Spirit will come. And now he is going to speak to you and guide you into all truth. Pretty awesome concept when you think about it. And so how great, think about this, how great is our need for the Holy Spirit. There was a, there was a guy named Tony who started attending the last church I pastored a few years ago. Here's, here's how it happened. He had a friend named Connor, and Connor's wife was Laura, and Connor's mother was Rhonda. Rhonda was teaching a Bible study on Wednesday nights. So they're all investing in Tony's life. Tony doesn't know the Lord. Tony was not raised to ever really know anything about God. He had no church upbringing at all in his life. I later met all of his family. And so Tony decides, because he respects Rhonda and Connor's his friend and Lars' his friend, I'm going to go to this Bible study they keep asking me to go to. They've been investing in his life. They've been trying to talk to him, and so he goes to the Bible study. He says, when I went to the Bible study, I had no intention whatsoever of asking Jesus to forgive me of sins or making any kind of a commitment that I'm going to follow Jesus with the rest of my life. That was not in my mind. No, no idea that that would ever happen. I went because I wanted some questions answered. I had all these questions about God I wanted answered. So I get in the Bible study and I start asking these questions. And before I know it, the Bible study has become all about my questions that I'm asking. They've abandoned everything else they're going to do. And they're just talking to me, trying to help me understand about God. And Tony said, before I left that Bible study, I could not pray a prayer soon enough to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And before I left that place, I committed to follow Jesus Christ with the rest of my life. And here's what Tony says. I was changed. I was changed completely in that moment. And he says, the way that I knew I was changed is because when I got home, I look at Laura, Lauren rather, and I said, I'm not going to sleep in there with you. Although we had two kids, I think their ages were maybe around six and eight at the time, and although we'd lived together many years, I couldn't sleep with her. Nobody said anything to me about it. Nobody at the Bible study said, you ought to think about this. It was never brought up. I just said to Lauren, why don't you sleep in our room and I'll go sleep with Caden and his. And Tony began to save money. (laughs) I love this about him because he said, Lauren becomes a Christian as well. He says, I saved money because I wanted to give Lauren the kind of wedding that a Christian woman deserves. And I remember when I get the invitation to their wedding in the mail. It was a beautiful invitation. And it was as nice as any wedding I've been to in years. And they celebrated their love for each other in Christ. 
one Sunday morning, Tony comes up. He stands beside me. I give him this piece of paper, and I said, Tony Hammonds, you are now a pastor, a minister in the Church of the Nazarene. He was called to preach. His brother Mike became a Christian. Carrie, his wife, all their kids started coming to our church. His other brother became a Christian. His girlfriend started coming to church. His mom and dad would visit when they were in town. It was amazing what God did in Tony's life. And so if you say to me, hey, Rick, tell me something. What happened at that Bible study? What caused all of this? The only explanation I have is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in somebody's life because there was power in the witness of those people. Let me take you back to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, something is going to change inside of you and you are going to receive power. And what are you going to receive power to do? You're going to become my witnesses. You understand that the evangelism of unbelievers and the making of disciples is done in the power of the work of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's all we've got. That's our power source. That's when we see lives changed, when the power of the Holy Spirit begins to work through our witness. I want to see it. I want to experience it over and over again. See, I I want power in my witness. I, I don't want to stand up and preach on Sunday morning. I want to preach in the power of the Spirit. I want God to speak through me. I prayed throughout the week, God, when Sunday comes, I don't want to just get up and do my thing. Because I believe in a concept called revelation. I believe that God actually speaks through me. Because of his word. And I believe that I have, by the grace of God, the potential to preach in the power of the spirit. You read these verses over and over again and sometimes you read them and you think okay uh, what, what, what does this really mean and so <clears throat> this week I started reading Acts 1-8 and, and I started asking myself the question okay does this mean that when I receive power because the Holy Spirit comes upon me then my witness will have power? Or does it mean that at that point I will be enabled to witness and I will become a witness? And the reason it became a struggle for me was because, and, and now I'm probably not preaching, I'm just, I'm just being reflective. I, I don't witness like I wish I did or like I believe God wants me to. You say, Rick, you you get up every week and you tell people about Jesus. Well, yeah, but there are people that you bring in. I'm, I'm talking about in my own life, in the own relationships that I build with people. 
How many times in a week am I talking to somebody and sharing Jesus with them? Because when I read what happens after this event, after Acts 2, these new believers who are spirit-filled, you know what they do? Everywhere they go, they talk about Jesus. They can't stop talking. In fact, they're told, you better be quiet about Jesus. And they say, we can't stop talking about Jesus. I don't care what you do to us. We can't stop. We've tried to stop and we can't stop. We just keep talking about Jesus. And so why is it that I'm not like that? Why is it that I don't have a problem where I would say, I can't stop talking about it? I called a friend and... I said, hey, you're a pastor, so I need a pastor right now. I'm struggling in my spirit. I've got to get up Sunday and preach. I want to be transparent with these people. Why is it that I don't share my faith more? I mean, I, I pray to be a spirit-filled believer. And he says to me, you've got to understand that those early believers, they, they were living in such a way and their lives were such a demonstration of the power of God that people were coming up saying, what, what is different about you? I said, well, if you wanted to be a blessing, you were not a blessing just now because nobody's running up to me and asking me what's different about me. Are, are you spirit-filled? Have you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know what's interesting to me? About my age and younger, I don't hear many conversations about the Holy Spirit. And I have to wonder why that is. People about my age and younger, we don't have many conversations about the power of the Holy Spirit. Is it because preachers like me don't go to those scriptures often enough? I was reading about a a famous evangelist, Dwight O. Moody. In 1871, there was a Chicago fire. And although he was a minister, the buildings that he had, the church, the home, it all burned. He lost everything. So a few weeks later, he goes to New York City to try to raise money to rebuild his church. He said, I was just across East River from the borough of Brooklyn. My heart was not in the work of begging. I could not appeal, he says. I don't blame him. I don't like asking for money either. He said, I was crying. I was praying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it, he says, because it's almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love. I went to preaching again. 
The sermons were not different from before. I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds of people, hundreds of people were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before, that blessed experience, if you should offer me all the world. What what happened to this guy? He's preaching the same sermons, but this time it's different because hundreds of people are coming to Christ. What changed in him? And he would say, because I was filled with God's Holy Spirit. I, I would understand if there's somebody reacting to me saying, wait a minute, Rick, you, you talk about that. But, but when I became a Christian, didn't I receive God's Spirit? I mean, when I became a Christian, didn't God's Spirit begin to live within me at that point? I would, I would say yes to that question. But yet here are in Acts chapter 2, where I read from you the last paragraph. Believers, followers of Christ, committed followers of Christ. Were they not Christian? Were they not filled with, were they not people who had the Holy Spirit yet living in them? But yet here's what the Bible says. There they were in one place, all together. And what happens? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I realize that this is this historical event where God pours His Holy Spirit out upon his church. But the question that I have is, does God provide something like that for me? And I find example after example in the New Testament, like, for instance, where Paul in the book of Ephesians says to the people of Ephesus, believers, people who are followers of Christ, these are Christians, he says to them, be filled with the Spirit. And I'm not too excited about what you want to call it. I just think if God's Word calls me to be filled with the Spirit, I want to be filled with His Spirit. Week before last, I I was a part of a funeral for a, a saint. Her name is Juanita Dawson. All of her life was in Bethany, Oklahoma. Her father became a Christian and heard about Bethany Pinal College, moved here, and this is where her life has been. She married Harry McCrory, and at 83, after Harry had passed for a few years, at 83, she was married to Paul Dawson. They were both 83, I think, when they married. Kind of neat. And so she described her life like this, that when, when I was growing up, we all gathered around our living room for prayer every evening. And my mom would first pray, and then all the kids, all ten of the kids, there were ten of them. And then after all ten kids prayed, their father would close the prayer time. She was saved when she was only eight years old. And so when we're talking about the funeral, here's what her, her, her son and her daughter say to me. Hey, Pastor Rick, when you preach the funeral for mom, would you do this? Would, would you be comfortable, would you be willing to talk about the fact that she was spirit-filled? Because they said, hands down, that was her greatest attribute. Would you talk about her Christ-likeness? Would you talk about her deep prayer life? Would you talk about the fact that she was filled with the Holy Spirit? See, I think 
I think that's what God has made possible. I, I love these words in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Wait for the gift the Father promised. Oh, gifts. I love gifts. I'm into gifts. The gift that was promised. I like the word promised when you put it with gift. And here's what he says. Here's the gift that is promised. John baptized you with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's the gift the Father promises us. I want to live a Spirit-filled life. And so when we back up, what do we forfeit? What do we give up? Grab your Bible and dig in it and find and learn and grow in the power of the Spirit. And let your witness be filled with the power of the Spirit. And live your life in the power of the Spirit. You want to stand with me for a minute? Katie, you going to come back up and let's sing, okay? I'd, I'd like to do this. I would like to take a moment or two before we sing to just make a very sincere invitation to the altar this morning. And so here's what I would say to you. Maybe, maybe you came to church today as a family, or maybe you're here alone, but you're going through something really difficult. And, and you came today with this in your mind. If, if there's an opportunity to pray at the altar today, I would probably go and talk to God about what's going on in my life or the lives of the people that I love. So I was met early this morning by a little gal who was just hurting so bad. She had gone through a very tough week. And so we prayed with her this morning here at the altar. And so if that's you and you want to come and pray today, you can come and pray. If, if you're dealing with something physical today and you want to be prayed for, for healing, you would like to be anointed, we would love to pray for you and anoint you with oil as the scripture. We don't do anything other than that. It doesn't get weird or crazy. We just put a drop of oil on your head and we pray for your healing. The power is not in the oil. It's a symbol of God's healing power. And so Chris is over here and Bob is right here and I'm here. If you want to be prayed for, Lewis is here. Just let one of us know. In fact, Lewis and Chris will kind of come down in a minute. You can just go either of them, and they'll be glad to anoint you and pray for you, okay? If, if this morning you heard me talk about Tony, whose life turned around and you say, Rick, I want to become a Christian. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want my relationship with God to be right. I want to make a commitment this morning to follow Jesus Christ with my life. I want to be saved from my sin. If you want to come and do that this morning, you can do that right here at this altar. You can be forgiven of your sin. I get excited thinking about the fact that somebody this morning may come to know Jesus in these next few moments. It could be that you say this morning, Rick, I heard the sermon. And there is something lacking in my life something lacking in my witness and, and I want to come and just say God fill me with your spirit just fill me God
then I invite you to come. And so we're going to sing, and if you want to come, I would love for you to come, and let's close our time together praying together. Okay. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.